0: you're cool, then you straight up lost your mind, tried so hard to stay ahead, but you keep falling behind, life is gonna pull you down, make it hard to see, but a little change in your point of view could be just what you need, there's always a reason to always choose joy. Bigger plan, the storm only lasts for a while. So smile. Happiness is wonderful, but it doesn't stick around. Walking on sunshine, then here come the clouds. You can laugh or you can cry when it.
1: Good morning. We're going to ask you to stand up. We're going to start with a scripture reading this morning, um, kind of in the mood of the video we just watched, just celebrating praising God this morning. This is from Psalm 150. If you could just read along with me. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Isn't that a great verse? I mean, it's talking about every instrument, everything that we have, everything that we can muster. We're talking about praising the Lord. So we just want to start the service off with that, and we have some music for you in a little bit. Um, If you could just be seated now, we'll continue on with our service. After a baby handoff.
2: Well, good morning again. My name is Tim. I'm the, one of the pastors here. So it's great to have you here with us, whether you are a long-time attender or you're visiting with us or you're watching with us online. We're just thankful you're here. We're glad you're here. This is normally the time of the service where we would collect our offering, the chance to give back to God what He has so graciously given to us. Um, but we're not passing plates right now during this Season, And so you have a couple options for how we want to do that. You can go online to our website and you can give that way. Or you can give by texting or there are plates in the back on your way out that you can drop your gift into. Um, But if you're just here visiting with us, like we're not asking for your money. We don't expect you to give. It's just a way for us who are members and regular attenders of this church to give back to um, the work God is doing. For us and through us. And so, with that in mind, let's let's pray. Father, we we thank you for the way you've gathered us here. You gathered us in this place. You've called the people to yourself, and we pray that you would you would work this morning through us. That you'd work, um, just reveal yourself to us. That we'd be drawn close to you through the songs that we sing through your word that we hear. We pray that because of what takes place here this morning, you would be glorified and we would be transformed more and more into the image of your son. We pray for those in our church family who are affected by sickness or just pain or different kinds of struggles, that you would be with them, that you would give peace where it is needed, you give comfort where it is needed, that you would bring healing where it is needed. That you would just remind each of us as we go about our day to day lives that we live, that we exist to serve and to glorify you, that we would be just amazed by what a great God you are, what a great Savior Jesus is, and that would fuel us to live lives for your glory. Praise all in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: We move into um, a worship set here. Some of these songs are a little bit older. Maybe we just haven't played them in a little bit. I've been listening a lot this week to the um, Shane and Shane has a new album out called Vintage, and they kind of pulled out stuff from the nineties and early two thousands and redid them a little bit. And you know what you hear these songs and you go, Oh man, that's a good song. Like that is a really good song. And we kinda like, you know, in music tend to Flip things over and do a lot of new stuff, but we thought we'd just kind of bring back a couple of the little bit older ones. So I just stand this morning, we're gonna um, just worship God. I mean, these songs are oh, they're good, good lyrics in them. So sing them like you mean them this morning. <laughs> Um, I don't know about you, but this whole COVID situation, it's been been really hard. There's a lot of stress with it, and I know everybody's um, dealing with it differently and has different levels of stress, but this week I pulled out, I'm going to embarrass Nancy Long a little bit here, Um, I pulled out, she had given me the message back in 2015, and I just found it on my bookshelf and opened it up, and the very first um, page I turned to was Matthew... It was Matthew 11:27, and this is from the message, so it reads a little differently. But she had gone in here and circled and put hearts on the word me everywhere. I think if you read this, I mean, this is really fitting for where we are right now. It says, are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and, w- and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I just love that. um, Unforced rhythms of grace. So these next couple of verses are just like, or choruses are just about God and worshiping Him. We're going to sing Knowing You, which is really beautiful. So when we get to the chorus, really reflect on what we're singing.
2: God, who is mighty and sovereign and integral, and doesn't depend on my So On August 31st, 1990, there's a kind of unique moment in baseball history. On that day, 40 year old Ken Griffey Sr. jogged out of his position in left field. Yeah. The to so that's what happened. Henry Jr. went on to be like one of the all-time greatest also, like he grew up around baseball, seeing his dad conduct himself as a professional baseball player, he learned from that. Our families like the Griffies are reasons that we have things like the apple of fall are from the tree, or like father, like son. Because okay, what well the Griffies are, if you're an extreme example of that, it's remarkable how You're reflected in the personality of your kids. It's a fact of life. Children resemble their parents. The same thing should be true of us and our spiritual father. If we are a child of God, people should be able to look at our lives and see a family resemblance. Our passage this morning is 1 John chapter 2 verses 28 through chapter 3 verse 10. we'll read that whole passage in a minute. But for now, it's here like the very last verse of that passage. It says this. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child. Nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. What this verse is telling us is that like, how we live reveals whether we are a child of God or a child of the devil. Our righteousness or our unrighteous living is clear evidence whether God is our Father or the devil is our Father. And one way or another, like people will look at us and they will see a resemblance to our spiritual Father, either to God or to the devil. And John's hope in this passage that his readers will choose to live as children of God. So with that in mind, let's read the whole passage. This is what it says. John writes, And now your children, to continue in him, so that when he appears, you may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason world does not know what is, the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. What we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. One who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. One who does what is sin is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are, and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child or anyone who does not love their brother or their sister. So John has a wants his readers to live as God's children. He wants them to examine their lives and know that they are God's child based on what they see when they examine it. And the same thing is true for us. If we are truly God's child, we should be able to look in our lives and see evidence of our God as our Father. Like, those who are God's children will live like God's children. And in this passage, we say three ways that we live as like God's children. And the first of these ways is that we live as like God's children by remembering the past. John kind of jumps all around from past to future in this passage. And what we see here, though, is that like living as like God's child doesn't work. It doesn't make sense if we don't start by remembering what has already happened to us, in the past twice in the passage we're reminded of what god has already done in the first of these at the end of chapter 3, the start of chapter three when we, read, when we read if you know that he is righteous you know that everyone who does what is righteous has been born past tense of god see what great love the father has lavished past tense on us that we should be called children of God. Okay? God has already lavished love on us and called us His children. We have already been born of God. And we do not do what is right in order to become children of God. We do what is right because we already have been born of God. Because we already have become His child. Okay? You know, if you call your parent a child, when you start to resemble it. You resemble your parent because you are their child. But the expression is not, the expression is the apple doesn't fall apart from the tree. Not that which close to the tree becomes an apple. And to, to, to the point the child of God, first means remembering that we have already been born of God. That God has already lavished great love on us. How do we do that? Because of the verse 5. If he appeared, in ten. So that he might take away our sins god lavished his love on us by sending his son jesus to take away our sins paul does the same thing in Romans 5 when he says but god demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners at sins, christ died for us while we were still sinners while there was nothing good that we had done and nothing lovable in us God still chose to lavishly love us by sending Jesus to die for us. And but the result of Jesus coming and taking away our sins is not just that our sins are removed and we return to some kind of neutral status of God, like either good nor bad. Jesus' death, I didn't turn from God's enemy into someone God is indifferent about. One went further than that. God lavishly loved us
0: by sending Jesus this so that we can,
2: become, <laughs> so we can become his children. And this, this status of God's children has all kinds of benefits for us. And there are numerous places in the Bible that discuss the benefits of being a child of God. But perhaps my favorite is Galatians 4, which says, when a set time God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are His sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. The Spirit who called out, "Abba, Father," so you are no longer you are no longer a slave, but God's child. since you are His child, God has made you also. So, like, two benefits of being a child of God are laid out for us in that passage. And the first is that we have an intimacy with God. And it expresses itself by our being allowed, being able to call God Abba. And so Abba, at the time of the writing, was like a common, informal, affectionate, intimate name for Father. It was often equated, like, with Daddy, This is the kind of love and affection and intimacy we are invited into with God when we are his child. The almighty God of the universe, the God who speaks and things come into existence, the God who holds the universe together by the power of his word, invites you to know him intimately and call him daddy and to feel the love that a perfect loving daddy has for his child. Lee Eklov, in his book, Feels Like Home, and he tells the story of some friends who had, they adopted a little girl. She was a little older, something like 10, I believe. And in particular, and so she had lived this hard life. And in particular, she lived a life that like led her, for a variety of reasons that I like, let you imagine, like to not trust men. And so she struggled to trust her new adopted father. And so it took us a long process, They Long time of building that trust, but then finally, like one day, like after lots of hard work, like this girl called her adopted father "daddy," and so it's obviously a big event in this family's life. And so to commemorate it, the wife made a sign for her husband that said, "Any man can be a father, but it takes someone special to be a daddy." And I know like some of you have had fathers who were not ideal examples of what it means to have God as our Father. Right? Some of you have fathers who are harsh, or lazy, or abusive, or absent, or cold, right? That's like thinking of God as Father can be a challenge. Right? But God is not some aloof, distant Father. He is the perfect Abba, Daddy, right? who invites his children into a loving relationship with him. That's one benefit we have as his child. The second benefit of being a child of God is that we are an heir of God and a co-heir with Christ. Like Everything that God owns, which, for the record, is everything, everything God owns also belongs to us as his child and his heir. To live as a child of God is to remember how. Out Out of his lavish love for you, Jesus died on a cross for your sins. How receiving and believing in Him, you become God's child and heir. But even as we remember that we were made children of God in the past, John also reminds us that we are still children now. And our status as children now must impact how we live in the present. If we are truly a child of God, then we will act like our Father. That means we will live righteously in the present. Remembering that we have been made God's child reminds us to act like it. That ultimately, like, this is ultimately John's main point in this passage. If you're a child of God, your life will reflect that fact. Having been made a child of God in the past, we remain God's children now. We, a minute ago we read John chapter 3, verse 1, which says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. But that verse goes on to say, and that is what we are. We still are now, not just in the past, but we still are his children. And the evidence that we are God's children is that we live righteously here and now. And that idea kind of spread all throughout this passage. But the connection is most clear in verses 9 and 10. In verse 9, John says, No one who is born of God will continue to sin, but God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. Right? They cannot go on sinning, present tense, because they have been born of God, past tense. Like Having been born of God changes who we are and how we live. Right? Or to say it the opposite way, like anyone who goes on sinning has not been born of God. So John is giving us a test to see if we have truly been born of God. Like, if you continue to sin, if you go on sinning, if you keep on sinning, you have not truly been born of God, is what John says. But that raises a couple questions. Like one question is, like from personal experience, like if that's right, like no one who is born of God will continue to sin. But like that cannot be right, because I still sin. Right? I'm pretty sure most of you still sin. But does that mean like none of us is a child of God? And the second question drew to the fact that John seemed to be like contradicting himself, right? Earlier in this very same letter John wrote, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Right? So if I claim to not sin, I lie. But if I keep on sinning, I'm not God's child. Like how can both of those things be true, John? In order to kind of make sense of these questions, we need to keep in mind John's kind of dual purpose for writing this letter. On one hand it's writing against false teachers who are teaching, among other things, that so like that your moral character doesn't matter at all to God. You can live however you want, and you still have a relationship with God. Right, so John's writing on one hand against that, right? But he's also writing to assure Christians that they really are God's children. And the way he balances those two purposes is through the use of phrases like continue to sin and goes on sinning and keeps on sinning in verse 6. John is not trying to say that the occasional sin disqualifies you from the claim to be a child of God. What John is trying to say is that the child of God will not display a habitual, ongoing, continual pattern of sin in their life. Sin cannot be a continuous feature in the life of a true Christian. Rather, like when a Christian recognizes that they are sinning, when they see their sin, they're grieved by it, they confess it, they turn away from it and turn back to living the righteous life God has called them to live. The reason we respond that way is because, as we read later in this passage, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's works. The reason Jesus came to earth, the reason he suffered the unimaginable agony of the cross, was to defeat sin and death. Jesus endured all the sufferings of the cross to destroy the devil's work, to destroy sin. So every time we choose to sin, we are making a mockery of the sacrifice he made. And we're working directly against Jesus' purpose. Every time we sin, we are giving new life to the very thing Jesus came to defeat. Again, if we're a child of God, if we really know and understand what Jesus did, if we really understand what sin is and why Jesus had to suffer and die for it, how could you possibly choose to continue in it? How could you freely and repeatedly and consistently choose sin over righteous living? And the Bible's answer is, if you're truly a child of God, you won't. You won't choose repeatedly, over and over again, to sin. And when when we do sin, which we still will, we'll respond in a way that demonstrates our understanding of what Jesus has done for us and our status as God's child. So the question we're urged to consider in light of the passages, really, like, how do I respond to the sin in my life? When I see myself sinning, when I'm aware of sin in my life, like, how do I respond? Is right? your response to, like, look around, see if anyone noticed, right? see if you're in trouble, and if not, like, just keep on sinning? Right? Because if it is, right, then, like, the fact of the matter is, you don't see your sin, it's a big deal. Right? And that's, And then John's message is that if that's you, if you don't see your sin as a big deal, if you don't understand what sin is, then you're not God's child. But in fact, you're a child of the devil. And and I know that sounds harsh, and it's like the socially acceptable thing to say, oh, we're all God's children. But look now what the Bible says. Verse 10, which we read earlier, hear it again, it says this. This is how we know who the children of God are, and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child. If you are repeatedly, consistently sinning, you're not God's child, you're a child of the devil. But the good news is, God will gladly and freely adopt you out of the devil's home and make you part of his family. John, in his Gospel, wrote this, Yet to all who did receive him, whoever all who did receive Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. When we receive Jesus, when we believe what the Bible says about him, when we believe that he is the only way for our sins to be forgiven, then we become God's child. So if you're here, or you're watching online, or you're like stuck in a habitual pattern of sin, and if your sin only bothers you when it causes you problems, the answer is not to just try harder to live a righteous life. The answer is to turn to Jesus. And if you're struggling with sin, whether you've considered yourself a Christian for a long time, or if you've... Or if you've never considered yourself a Christian. Like we're glad you're here, we're glad you're watching online. Right? And I would love to walk with you and helping you overcome the sin in your life through the power that Jesus offers. And please know like if you are struggling with sin, right, the best response that John wrote earlier in this book right, is to confess it and to get help fighting it. And so like if you need to be, if you need a safe place to confess sin. Right, then like know that I can be that place. There will be no judgment, no condemnation. A love and a desire to help you be free from that sin. But on the other hand, if your response to sin in your life is to like look at your life and see sin, and then to recognize the gravity of it, and then to, to stop sin and turn back to God. If that's how you respond to sin. If you see it and turn away from it, repent and turn back to God, right? Then John isn't writing this to make you feel condemned or guilty. Like We do not need to enter a spiral of guilt and shame and doubting our salvation every time we sin. As we read earlier, Jesus appeared so that he might take away the sins of God's children. And that includes the sins we commit even after we are God's children. So the invitation in this verse for those who are truly God's children is to examine your life if you can say, like, I know I'm not perfect, but I look at my life and it, shows an on- it doesn't show an ongoing pattern of sin. Like, I truly desire to do what is right and honors God. If you can say that, then John wants you to feel assured that you can rest, that you are God's child, and you can rest in your status as his son or daughter, both now and into the future. And that brings us to the third way we can live as God's children, and that is looking to the future. chapter 2, verse 28, we read, And now, dear children, continue in him, right, present tense, so that when he appears in the future, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. And then in chapter 3, verse 2, we read, Dear friends, now we are children of God, present tense, and what we will be in the future has not yet been made known, but we know when Christ appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. There is coming a day when Jesus will return, right? or in the language of John in these verses, He will appear again. And when He comes, He will come to usher in the end of history and to judge everyone on earth, living and dead. And at that time, like, everyone will learn their eternal Destiny. Either they will go to eternal glory with God in the new heavens and the new earth or to eternal suffering in hell. And as John says, if you know you are a child of God, as evidenced by your righteous living, then you have every right to be confident and unashamed at His coming. You don't have to worry about whether when He comes you have been good enough to earn His favor and experience eternal life if you continue in Jesus and you live a life trusting in Him, then when He comes, you don't need to be ashamed of the sins that you have committed because you know they've already been taken care of in Jesus. For the children of God, right, the return of Jesus Christ will be the most joyful and glorious day ever because, as John wrote, like, what we will be had not yet been made known. But when Christ appeared, we shall be like Him. What we will be has not yet been made known. We live in this kind of weird, in-between state. Our sins have been forgiven, but we still wrestle with the effects of sin, the temptation of sin in our lives. And we still give in to that temptation sometimes. But there is coming a day when Christ returns, when we will no longer have to wrestle with sin. There is coming a day when we will be like Him, that the lingering effects of sin will be totally removed. And then we will be given glorified bodies that do not get sick, do not die. We will see Jesus face to face as He is. And seeing Him as He is will remove any temptation to sin. And we will live in eternal bliss with Him forever in the new heavens and the new earth. As we live as God's children now. We look forward to the day in the future when Christ appears. We will stand before Him confident and unashamed, not because of how great we are, not because of how righteous we were in this life, but because we know we have trusted in Him to take away our sins and to give us righteousness. We are children of God. All of us who believe in Jesus are children of God. And as His children, we are invited to remember the past, how he lavished us with his love and made us his child while we were still his enemies. And as a child, we're urged to live righteous lives in the present, bearing a family resemblance to the perfect righteousness of our Father and confessing and repenting of the sin we see in our lives and rejecting any teaching that tells us that sin isn't a big deal. And as a child, we have the joy of looking to the future, knowing that one day He will appear and we can be confident and unashamed at His coming, trusting that our brother Jesus died to forgive our sins while also giving us a perfect model of what it looks like to live as God's child. Let's pray. Father, we do thank You that You sent Jesus, Your firstborn and only Holy Son, to live life, be a perfect model for us of what it looks like to live a righteous life, and also to take our place on the cross, to pay the penalty of sin for us. that by trusting in Him, we can be adopted as sons into your family. We can become your child. We can call you Abba, Daddy. We can, we can experience the joys of being your child and to look forward to a day where we are a co heir with Christ. God, help us to live in the reality of being your child. If anyone here or listening has not become your child, has not trusted in Jesus, then we pray that they would do that, they would seek guidance and help in what it looks like to become your child. You would work to convict of, of sin to show us a sin in our lives that we would turn away from it and turn back to you. God, as we prepare to leave here, that we will go and live lives that glorify you. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. So as we prepare to leave, as we prepare to go out back into the world for the rest of our week, whatever that may look like for you, I pray that you would leave like just refreshed, And acknowledge that you are God's child, that you have an intimate, loving father you can turn to. I pray that you would go and you would live lives that honor and glorify him. You're dismissed.